census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Seventy-nine of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. Don't give me that weird look. Not um, you. I'm talking to her. You sound like an auctioneer. Why are you talking so fast? I'm trying to drive the bids. Up. I got one podcast, one podcast, two, two podcasts, two podcasts, three, three podcasts, three podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you sound like. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying that we are uh, broadcasting here from the uh, Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, and we are brought to you. Uh, on the Dorkening Network by Deadly Grounds Coffee. And obviously, I am not here by myself. I am joined, as always, by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Bond Nightmare. Hello, are we whispering today? I was doing it for dramatic effect. I don't know why you're whispering. Uh, Dramatic effect, obviously. It didn't work. It didn't work as well. Dramatic. Pause! (laughs) So dramatic. Uh, For those of you who are fans of Calculon, or Futurama in general, uh, well, I mean, if you're a fan of Futurama, you'll see a lot of omicron percy i eight memes floating around right now but that's for a totally different and not fun reason but we need a single female lawyer bring me the one called mcneil um she wears mini skirts and, and is, is promiscuous, promiscuous. <laughs> <laughs> single oh. female lawyer having lots of sex <laughs> no single female lawyer Fighting for her client, wearing sexy mini skirts, and being self-reliant. Uh, yeah, we're already off off the rails on this fucking thing. It's gonna be a great episode. Well, it's always gonna be a great episode. Uh, I'm hoping that we got some uh, some new listeners because some of the people that I've worked with this week were like very excited to hear about the show. And uh, you know what's really cool. So Spotify, like if you have social media, you know that this is a thing. Spotify has released their year-end wrap-ups for everyone. And some of you have been tagging us in your posts because Throwdown Thursday is your most listened to podcast for the year. And we are very, very grateful to you. And I just think that is so freaking cool. Like every one we are... uh, What's what's the word I just said? Tagged in. We are tagged in. <laughs> Gotta be a great show. Uh, yeah. Every every post that we are tagged in, it's just it, it just. It's so cool. It blows my mind. Like seriously. So thank you all so much for listening from the bottom of my cold little black heart. We love you all so very much. And you know, 
We obviously have some really great things lined up to end the year with, and we are talking about some really great stuff to start the year with. Yeah, we've and got some- do next year. Because- To 2022. Because I was thinking- uh, on the on the drive home today from Boston, I was thinking about some stuff, and I was thinking there's so much stuff that's coming out. Lost in space just Lost dropped. Lost in space. Uh, I've been really excited. Like, is that, that any relation to like pigs in space? Uh, they both take place in space, they, but that's about one has Parker Posey and the other does not. Um, but it's I like Parker Posey. She plays Doctor Smith and she's fucking amazing in this series. Really? Yeah, so season 3 just dropped and I'm very excited cuz I've watched uh, okay, season so 1. Okay, so I two. should probably watch this. So we should yeah, cuz we should we should cover this cuz it's the last season that they're going to do, but um another Posey. season another season that's dropping later this year at the end of the year actually Cobra Kai season 4. He's a karate man. He brews on the Crowded inside. Crowded brews on the inside. I'm going to show their weakness to their enemies, but you wouldn't know nothing about that because you're a big, Barry white-looking motherfucker. Um, yeah. So we need to we need to get you to see. Yeah, I, I have I have a lot, which is good because, you know what, speaking of Omicron Percy I ate, it's just giving me an excuse to cancel plans and stay home. You know, which uh, once it gets cold out, I uh, try to hibernate as much as possible. So, no offense if you don't see me until spring when things start to unthaw again. Like, it's no because offense. she saw her it's shadow. Not, it's not you. It's me. No, Seriously. it's Omicron. It's. <laughs> so, we uh, we recently got a chance to watch Venom Let There Be Carnage, which is finally uh, available on uh, multiple streaming platforms, such as Vudu. Um and we're like, oh, we should do an episode on Phantom. And then we rewatch. Well, I had just rewatched it, but she watched, uh, or we rewatched 2018 Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Still holds up. Oh, it's I so mean, granted, good. 2018 wasn't that long ago. Still holds up after almost <laughs> four, uh, three and a half years. Oh, feels like decades. I know. It feels way longer. So much longer. I thought 2020 felt long. 2021 felt even longer. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you no, know, but, you know, sometimes after seeing a, a, a sequel or you know an extension of a franchise or whatever you know you, sometimes you may not view the single film the same am i making any sense right now do you know what i'm saying no i know exactly do you, what you're saying. do you know what i am saying i i believe i know what you are so, saying uh after watching carnage which i i actually thought carnage was the better of the two it was really funny um I really I, we'll 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 save this for the we'll save this for the meat and potatoes of the discussion later. But uh, I really like these two movies as a pair, and that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, but we do have a really fantastic getting into character question that we got some audience participation on, and we asked if you had a symbiotic relationship with an alien species that gave you superpowers and demanded the consumption of human brains. What would you call yourselves? Now, are you in the group or are you in your... I'm in mine. So I don't have a lot of responses, but the group does. The group has uh, several responses, yes. So our friend Jen, the 
super goddess that she is. She said, I would probably just stick with Jen. I'm already kind of an abomination. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I, I get why you feel that way, but that's so not true. You're like a really great abomination. So we have a few in the, uh, in the, some more serious than others, I would say. Uh, our, our good friend Alyssa, the very talented uh, uh, makeup artist, says, uh, Lucky, have you seen those tongues? I'd never need a man again. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, I, I cannot stop thinking. Like, whenever I see Venom and he's all like, hey, look at my tongue. I'm like, hey, what that tongue do? Like, Eat brains. It's just, be, be, it's, uh, uh, our, yeah. Our buddy Coop said brain munchkin. Brain munchkin. Uh, <laughs> our friend Colleen said Sarah Beller core chefs. Okay. Brain like brain soup. Brain soup. Uh, Alan Jackson. I don't know if it's the country music guy or not. Probably uh, not. Said I wouldn't change my name at all. No spoilers. Uh, Isaac, uh, Sir Isaac, uh, who has uh, appeared on Shark Bites multiple times and on this show, said we would call ourselves COVID. That COVID. That way we could move to Florida and no one would try to stop us, no matter how many people we killed. And uh, author Steve Van Sampson said, anything but fucking mittens. <laughs> Which is... My symbiote's name is Mittens. So, I'll, I'll go first on this one, because when I was younger, you know, I've always liked to write things, but I wanted to uh, write my own comic, and this is right around the time when Carnage first appeared. And so I kind of amalgamated uh, two different superhero origin stories where uh, I had a super rare blood disease because Spider-Man was my favorite hero at the time uh, because I, I believe that was the most realistic where I could get bitten by a spider and turn into a superhero. Like I wasn't going to get bombarded by cosmic rays on a space mission like the Fantastic Four. Uh, I wasn't going to have a bomb dropped on me like the Hulk. So this seemed to be, you know, while I was waiting for my mutant evolution, um, this seemed to be the most realistic way to become a superhero. So I was already familiar with She-Hulk, and I, you know, I loved Venom, I loved Carnage, I loved the whole uh, symbiote crew. And so I had to get a, uh, in the story, I had to get a, uh, a blood transfusion by... Uh, someone who had the same super rare blood type that I had and the only person who had it was Cletus Cassidy and so as a result I got a newer form of the uh, Carnage symbiote and I called him Chaos and I was uh, well I was in wow you're so cool I was in sixth grade I called him Chaos well yeah Carnage Chaos I was trying to think of like like the next level like Carnage makes more sense because it has it literally is about meat and he's always like stabbing people with stuff. But um I that's that was what I thought and that was my uh that would what I would be called. I'd be I'd be Chows. Chows <laughs> You wouldn't do like something shark. Well I wouldn't be related. a shark. I would I would be a symbiote. Yeah, but you could you could do I mean if I were to do things. that I would call myself Mako. I would be like bluish grayish. Hey, make o me a sandwich. No, I'd be like, go ahead, make o my day. <laughs> Sorry, that joke, make o over your head. You know, 
So you could you could incorporate, and I would I would do so many puns. So just like real life. And then people would be like, "Oh, that's the worst thing I ever heard." I'm like, "Do you ever heard your head get crushed by a by a, a side of a building?" And they'd be like, "What?" And then crunch, and I would slam their head into the side of a building because they were an evildoer. And I'd be like, "Which sound was worse?" Oh, you can't answer because I make you dead. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how about you? Uh, their ashes. So I, I I thought about this. Like I really sat down and kind of just marinated with this question. Uh, you know, do I do it based off of like a mood? You know, like we are exhausted. We are fucking tired. We are napping. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, but that doesn't sound really threatening. I kind of want something that sounds like a little bit, you know, a, a, a little bit of like... I don't know some undertones of menace or something so then i was thinking well you know what are some of the things that i like because they do have some shoes <laughs> we are stiletto actually stiletto that would be really good we are stiletto um Actually, I really like that. Yeah, we are shoes. <laughs> we we are shoes. We are Uggs. <laughs> no, fuck Uggs. Because I've seen what they do to get there. Yeah, no, no, well. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I don't wear those. But anyways, um, you know, and then I thought like, like, oh well, you know, like we are Wino would be funny. Like Wino. Okay, I mean that's that's all right or like vino we are tannins we are tannins <laughs> and then i thought well maybe like kind of making up words a little bit like i was like oh glamora sounds cool and i'm like oh that sounds an awful lot like gamora so no never mind and then i thought um so last year during quarantine when like everything completely shut down Patsy and I got into why was I going to call it World of Warcraft? That's it's not very what it was. similar. Dungeons and Dragons, right? That that's the game that we were playing D and D game. The, that that was for real. That that was that was for real. You know, with the fun little the little dice that I have. When I blamed like, that orphan exactly. for eating all the cookies. That was real life. <laughs> that was real life. So I was like, oh well, maybe I would go after um my. Uh, Tiefling or Tiefling sorceress, Tiefling. Tiefling sorceress's name, which is Apotheca. That would be cool. We are Apotheca. I would probably just be like, we are farmers. Bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> but I like stiletto. That I came up on those. Yeah, we are stiletto. That would be. That, that, I think that that has to be it. All right. I think that we are stiletto. That's a good one. I like that. Going too. single white female on your ass. Boom. All right. So that's a pretty good place for us to stop. Like, if you didn't get a chance to uh, give us your, you can your always name, let us know. Yeah, you can still let us know because uh, we're we're very interested. Hit us I think. up on the social medias. You can send us an email. Some of uh, some some people that I was kind of hoping would send in some creative names didn't get a chance to. So uh, hopefully we can we can hear from more folks about that. But we're going to take a quick break, and we come back, we're going to discuss Venom, because uh, Ashes didn't really know much about him outside of what she saw in the, the movies, and I love Venom so much, so we're going to be talking about that when we come back. <laughs> 
Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? Do have a free the Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. And we are back. That is the Venom theme from the original motion picture soundtrack. Um, we are back. Yes, we are back. Oh, that's what we could, if you were a symbiote, like, oh, we're back. 
Like, where, where'd you go? No, we're back. Right, but from where? Like, that'd be like an Abbott and Costello thing. Like, if Abbott and Costello... <laughs> Who's on first? If Abbott and Costello were, were symbiotes. Um, so, Venom is a character that I have loved, like I said in the first segment, for a long time because I just thought he was so cool. Or say, is there... Can you elaborate on that? Or was it just like, I was, I was, I was a kid and I thought he was cool. Is well, there, there anything were, more to it? Well, it was... You know, when he came out, it was like, or when I first became aware of him, it was, you know, the early 90s, nine, you know, between 90, 93, um, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And he just, he had this cool look to him uh, because I, I already liked Spider-Man because I liked what he could do. Uh, I thought his powers were cool and he had an interesting rogues gallery. Um, and then to see Venom, who is... It's it's weird because in all the in all the Marvel movies, generally, the good guy is fighting a bad guy who has like almost the same powers as he has. Venom was really the first time somebody that Spider Man was fighting had the same power set as him, because generally it was like Doc Ock or you know Mysterio or the Vulture, you know all these guys that had powers that were like not even remotely close to what Spider Man could do. So having someone who was so evenly matched, uh, I thought was interesting, you know, and, you know, I know it's, like I said, it's, I know it's become a trope in the comics. I mean, in the, in the movies where it's like, oh, two guys who have the similar powers are just going to punch each other to see who wins. You know? uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, you know, like all of those things are very similar. Uh, well, maybe not Iron Man 3 so much because it was like the extremist thing, but whatever. Um, you know, Hulk fighting Abomination. It, it's very similar power sets, you know. Um, even in Doctor Strange, it was the same thing, you know, Strange versus Caecilius. Like, it's always two two adversaries with very similar skill sets, but Venom was the first one who had that, and then, like, when you throw in the tragic backstory and, like, the fact that the suit is alive and, like, could... Uh, and obviously we'll get into it, but, like, some of the things that Venom could do, like, negate some of the powers that Spider-Man had, like his spider sense, which gave him such an advantage because his reflexes were already so fast, but he could sense danger, you know, dodging bullets and whatnot. Um... Venom was fast enough to dodge bullets, but he didn't have to because the symbiote would stop them. But he negated all of Spider-Man's uh, uh, early warning systems, his spider sense. He didn't set it off. He also um, knew everything that Spider-Man knew because they were. it's a living suit that bonded with him uh, at a cellular level. And... Everything that Spider-Man worked so hard to uh, create for himself, keeping his his hero life separate from his personal life, you know, because he never wanted to put any of his relatives in danger after he lost Uncle Ben. Venom was able to exploit all of that, and he was stronger, and he was faster, and he was meaner. Um and Spider-Man had to rely on a lot of different skills, but everything that he knew how to do, the suit knew he could do. So it was almost like fighting like uh, an enhanced version of himself. The only the real advantage that he had over Eddie Brock is that Peter Parker was far and far more intelligent. But 
That was my first uh, introduction to Venom. How about you? What was your first introduction to Venom? Uh, 2018's Tom Hardy Venom. So, but here's the thing. Like, I knew Venom existed. I knew that he was part of the Spider-Man universe. I didn't know much. I knew he had a great tongue, uh, but I didn't really know much aside from that. I mean, I thought it was a really cool, as far as, you know, comic book characters go, because, you know, he's not like the coolest looking comic book character, but he's a really fucking cool looking comic book character. Yeah, and it's... Like the, the all black is so chic, and there have been there have been times where and the eyes the uh, the symbiote can mimic any clothing. Like there have been times where uh, I think Eric Larson drew these. Uh, it was either Eric Larson or Mark Bagley. I forget because they they were drawing Spider Man like back to back, but Larson left to go do uh, Savage Dragon. But their art styles were really really awesome, and there was one of them where Eddie shows up to meet Spider-Man somewhere and he's wearing what is essentially like this fucking rad Venom leather jacket with leather gloves Mm. and like black jeans and like, you know, like these really badass boots because that's what Venom turned into. Um, The other thing that Venom really helped Eddie with was the stronger Eddie got... Like, Eddie ended up becoming, like, like pound for pound, like, one of the strongest humans. Like, he had Olympic-level strength. Uh, we found that out in the Separation Anxiety storyline, where he, he, gra- he was able to grab somebody and throw them while being, like, trapped in, like, a laser cage. Um, so the stronger Eddie got, the stronger the symbiote made him when they were fully bonded. So Spider-Man's strength level is right around 10 tons. Venom was stronger than that. I was also under the assumption that Venom was a bad guy. I think because of the way that it was presented, uh, just kind of like universal knowledge, I guess, or, or I don't know, maybe I got my wires crossed at some point. But because he despised spider-man so much i just assumed he was a bad guy but venom is more like a more like an anti-hero like he's, he's not a he's not a good guy but he's definitely not a bad guy well i look at it as um i look at venom like a uh shark you know he's not He's not good or bad based on what he does. Like, he's, he's just, just drawn that way. <laughs> no, he's just doing. No, no, he's just doing what he needs to do to survive. Like he needs to bond to a to a host. He needs to, uh, you know, consume certain things in order to stay alive. Like a shark isn't like I'm a bad Burns. guy. You know, I'm gonna go do this. It's just doing what it needs to do so, to survive. You know, like, uh, and that's the other thing about the whole brains thing, which we found out uh, in the second movie that the chemical that is in brains that the symbiotes need to eat, the clintar, um, is also found in chocolate, which is why they were trying to get him to eat chocolate because Venom didn't necessarily need to eat brains and kill people. He just needed specific sustenance. Right. So, you know, they they find out it's almost like he uh he he it's the vegan alternative, so to speak. 
the vegetarian sort of, alternative. The vegetarian yes. option. It's the it's the tofu of the brain world. Um but and I, I really liked the way that the symbiotic relationship was shown because it's a it's a true symbiotic relationship. Um you know Venom the symbiote needs to bond to an oxygen inhaling organism in order to survive on this planet because we are you know on earth it's an oxygen primarily an oxygen oxygenated planet you know i have been spewing science jargon all day at my job and then i come to podcast and i can't say shit (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck um so you know so so Venom needs that. Venom needs to bond itself to something that is full of oxygen, something living that is breathing full of oxygen in order to survive. And as we see, you know, especially in the in the film version, um, he provides a lot of positive attributes to Eddie. Strength, speed, agility, advanced healing. Um, well, I was going to, and that, that's the main thing, you know, it's 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 definitely and and that's the thing that makes it a, a symbiotic relationship versus a parasitic relationship. You know, a parasite's just going to take 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 from its host, and that's what we see in the beginning with most of the hosts, with, right? Because you know he's going through all of these hosts because they are unfit. You know, to pair almost like they're unfit to pair with a symbiote. They're unfit for a symbiotic relationship. But there's something about Eddie that just works, and he's able to attach to Eddie. And yes, Eddie gets really sick in the beginning. You know, he well, he's got to adjust to this. Well, but that's the thing. Like it's his body adjusting, and it's a a phase that these other hosts couldn't get past, which is why they all perished. But the fact that you know we see in that one scene where Eddie is just laid out and his legs are clearly broken After and there's the, the motorcycle st- wreck, right? And there's stuff pointing out everywhere, and he should be dead or at least extremely maimed, and he's not. He's able to walk away from that because Venom, you know, in this symbiotic relationship fixes repairs eddie because it's in both of their best interest right because it's like i've i finally found a host that i can pair with this host is thriving not dying you know um and and you know you he wants to venom wants to keep his host alive as long as possible because he'll be able to and we see this again at the beginning of the first movie and throughout the second there are other hosts that he latches onto that are just not not suitable, uh, just not a good match. It's almost like if you were to try to get a blood transfusion from a type that is not your own. That's yeah, that's or like an the, organ rejection. Yes, yeah, that's you know some people need very specific types. Like of... if you have, you know. A positive blood, and somebody tries to give you B positive, like you're fucked. Like you're you're you'll die, or you know if you get a kidney transplant, but the kidney's not a match, and your body starts rejecting it. That I think that's a better analogy. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but it's it's interesting in the way that they they showed that, and I really, you know, I, I I like that they actually stay true to the definition of what a symbiotic relationship is. Yeah, mutually beneficial for both for both sides. Um, you know, each one providing the other with something it needs to survive. And I really like the character of Eddie Brock too. I feel like you can't talk about Venom without talking about Eddie Brock because, from my understanding, he is the host that. Venom was bonded to the most or the longest longest, um, in the comics. Yeah, so they retconned it a few years ago when they introduced, like, Clintar, like, the whole species of, uh, like, Venom species and why Venom was insane. And they retconned it to right before Spider-Man got the suit. Um, Deadpool had used it in the Secret Wars, I think, from, like, 1982, which is also the same same uh, comic series in which uh, the Hulk lifts two trillion tons, um, but which he has since far surpassed, but at the time it was, like, this huge deal. Um, the Thing tried to bond with Deadpool, and Deadpool didn't want to put another living creature through the agony that he dealt with. Um, It also, if I remember correctly, it started to cancel out his healing factor. So he was like, oh, no, I can't do this. But he's like, hey, Spider-Man, you look like you need a new suit. And he did need a new suit because his had been, uh, you know, trashed on Battleworld. But he, uh, he bonded with it and, like, there were times like you you um we were talking off air about the um the early 90s animated show and we got to see a little bit of this uh where they changed it just a little bit where he would Peter Parker would go to sleep and he would have like these terrible nightmares and then he would wake up like on the side of a building i think they did that in the Tobey Maguire film as well like he'd be on the side of a building like with no memory of how he got there and you know he ended up going to the fantastic four and reed richards to be like what is going on and i know you've got you've got some notes that you want to go through can i just say like eddie brock is fucking cool like he's really fucking if you know when when an alien symbiote like tries to bond with me i have like zero chill and he's just okay with it. Well, he was okay with it eventually. Like, so what we see in the movie is much different from what happens in the comics. Do you okay. have? Do you have? Oh, you you have the movie stuff. I have movie stuff. So, in the comics, like if you've seen the TV show and you've seen the movie and you've seen uh, the Tobey Maguire, Topher Grace version of events. That one's probably the closest to the comics. So, the, obviously, there was no Fantastic Four involved. But when he realizes, Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker realizes that this is a living, breathing creature that is trying to bond with him permanently, uh, he's like, no. He does learn, I forget if, because uh, I haven't seen Spider-Man 3 in fucking forever. He somehow learns that sound is one of its weaknesses sound and fire are the two weaknesses that this... fire bad yeah fire bad um although depending on the comics you read like they kind of get over that 
almost like working up an immunity. Like mm. if you were trying to working up, try to work up an immunity to Iocane powder. Um, so he's trying to get rid of it, and he uses the tolling bells of uh, a church tower. And unbeknownst to him, Eddie Brock is praying in that same church because his career was ruined by Spider-Man because he had gotten a confession from a serial killer known as the Sin Eater. Uh, But it turned out it wasn't the right guy, and Spider-Man brought him in, brought the real guy in, and Brock was shamed and fired, you know, because they had to print a retraction, and, like, you know, he had gotten the scoop, and it just ended up not, just not being the right thing at all. So... He, uh, uh, Parker also had real realized that, you know, while this thing was trying to bond with him, it was making him more aggressive and angry. And, uh, he almost killed several, uh, criminals that he was trying to apprehend because the Venom symbiote was making him more and more angry. Of course, it wasn't known as Venom at that point, not until it bonded with Brock because it shrank away and it was very, it was almost like, a scorned lover is kind of how the the symbiote reacted and Eddie Brock was its rebound but it turned out to be true love um because it it sensed Brock and it needed a new host uh and it when it tried to bond with him it sensed the hatred and the anger and they were like oh my god this is so perfect it's like it was like one of those like 80s sitcoms where it's like, don't you just want to kill Spider-Man? And like they both say it together. <gasps> want to do karate in the basement? Did we just become best friends? Yes. Yeah. So it's it was kind of like that. And Brock was slowly losing his mind and the symbiote kind of helped nudge him along a little bit. But... People let me tell you about my best friend. Basically. And that's how they came up with the name Venom. Because uh, it was like, oh, we'll call ourselves Venom, just like the poison that we were forced to write, like the retraction. Mm, um, okay. That's where they came up with it. and That's a little more poetic than yes. the film, yes. As opposed to, my name is Venom. Like, oh, you're an alien species and your name is an English word? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but he... Uh, because well, it, he... It, wait, wait, wait. It's actually Monev but he's dyslexic. Oh, he's phenomenal. <laughs> yes. So he, he, uh, he Eddie and, and the symbiote bonded to become Venom, uh, and they would always refer to them as we are Venom. Um, and because of the bond with Peter Parker. Start referring to myself as a we. <laughs> the Me and all we. of my personalities. <laughs> because of the bond that, uh, it had with Peter, it knew everything that Peter knew. Like, the Mm -hmm. symbiote grew to love Peter. Like, the way we see the relationship with Eddie Brock in the films, uh, it loved Peter and would die to protect him. In fact, the last thing it did before leaving for Eddie Brock was, like, something happened. Like, Peter almost fell, but, like, the symbiote, like, saved him from falling and like you know gently laid him down on the floor or something a lot i'm trying to remember it but it did something like that to make sure that he was okay and then in its weakened state kind of like shuffled off and found eddie brock and 
Now, Eddie, Spider-Man, it's the classic hero story where the hero creates their worst villain. So you've got some of the stuff from the film, so why don't you get into that? Yeah, so the Venom film is primarily based on the 93 Venom Lethal Protector miniseries and the 95 Planet of the Symbiotes story arc. Uh, Let There Be Carnage, Venom characterization takes inspiration from 93's Maximum Carnage and the 96 story arc, The Venom Saga from the 94 Spider-Man animated series. So it it's uh, the film is kind of like a good amalgamation of a lot of the Spider-Man story arcs, um, not sorry, but the arcs that involve Venom because this was separate from Spider-Man. So Venom is different from how he's portrayed in the comics. The big difference is the fact that he doesn't have that white spider looking emblem like logo on his on his chest. Right, because he didn't take it from Spider-Man. Right. So, you know, there there's no need for that to that to be there. Now, Eddie Brock, he did lose his job at again, I want to call it the Daily Planet, but that's not it different guy um you know at the daily bugle he is now doing this kind of like rogue reporting for uh, a news station the the eddie brock report well yeah in the yeah he got fired in new york and went to san francisco like they never mentioned the daily bugle no but i think that it's supposed to be um it's inferred uh, implied yeah it's, implied. it's it's implied because that would have to they would have to kind of create a whole backstory for that and it's one of those if we don't say anything fans of the comic will know you know that this is what happened but like but like one of the things that uh they changed from just to kind of because it touches on the movie and i pointed this out to you um one of the things that they took from the tv show was that j jonah jameson who was played in uh Spider-Man Far From Home? Yeah, Far From Home. Uh, by J.K. Simmons in the deleted... Uh, not the deleted, the post credit scene. Uh, his son was an astronaut. And in the TV show, he brought the symbiote back from space. And that's how he ended up surviving this rocket crash in the movie. Um, because the symbiote bonded with him and kept him alive long enough so till it could find a new host. And that was uh, John Jameson, I believe is his name. So that was a nice little uh, Easter egg for comic and uh, cartoon fans. So Tom Hardy signed on to play the character of Eddie Brock pretty much based on the fact that his son is a huge Venom fan and wanted to do something that his son would watch. Almost like, you know, he's done... Because let's talk about Tom Hardy for a, a moment. Bronson. If you have not seen Bronson, oh my God! Shut us off. Actually, no. Continue to listen. Listen to us first. But watch Bronson and after this. Then watch. But but like seriously, like watch Bronson. He is phenomenal. He's such a good fucking actor. Like, and I'm not even talking about the fact that you could see him like completely naked. Like that. That is a really see his dongle. that's irrelevant like that's not even the best part the best part is the way he just kind of just 
becomes really engulfed in the role and just becomes this character and he's fantastic uh so i was really you know when they announced that tom hardy is eddie brock in the i was so pumped for that i was excited i will see anything tom hardy is in because i think he's a fantastic actor and i believable believable well i mean except for the only thing i didn't really like him in was batman when he was brain brain Bane. Crashing this plane. I'm going to get you You know, like that was... That you should have never uh, come back, Mr. UPS man. <laughs> that was whatever. But uh, I feel like Tom Hardy was really just, just born to play this role of, of Eddie Brock. And believable. So believable. So he wanted to, to make a film that his son would watch and be proud of. He wanted his son to, to you know, be proud of him, which I think, you know, is a, is a nice thing to do. And he got, you know, some father-son bonding time because his son was the person who, the one who kind of gave him all the backstory, like, you know, sat him down and talk to him about the history of Venom and Spider-Man and Eddie Brock and gave him all of the information that he needed to go forward and you know he figured out what he needed to bring into this role um Tom Hardy did a lot of ad-libbing as well so he did the voice of Venom and the inspiration for the voice of Venom was an amalgamation of Redman, Buster Rhymes, and James Brown. And obviously what they did was they did a little, like, movie magic as far as... Not necessarily auto-tune, but, you know, they, they created a really great sound with it. And he recorded everything in pre-production. And what he did was throughout the film, he had an earpiece that was feeding what Venom was saying, you know, through the earpiece so he could hear, so he could react in real time. So it's not like he was playing with a green screen or, you know, reacting to something, you know, imaginary happening. Yes, it was imaginary happening, but you get what I'm trying to say. He was able to react to to himself and, you know, respond in a way. And he did a lot of ad-libbing too, which I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah, and one of the things I wanted to th- throw out there because I thought it was absolutely awesome was uh, the fact that in the second movie, uh, in Let There Be Carnage, and I pointed this out to you because I was like, what is he wearing? Like, he's wearing a Detroit Lions mm-hmm. jacket and a shirt that says Mumford Phys Ed Department, which is what Eddie Murphy wore. In Beverly Hills Cop, that's another one we should cover. Axel Foley. Um, he wore the Detroit Lions jacket because he was a Detroit cop, and the Mumford Phys Ed shirt. Um, Eddie's not from Detroit; he's from New York and lived in San Francisco. I don't know why specifically they would throw that in there, but I don't know I thought it was a nice touch and not something that uh, I ever heard anybody talk about when. Uh, people discussed this movie so I I thought it was awesome so speaking of basing performances on inspirations Tom Hardy based his performance of Eddie Brock on Woody Allen Connor McGregor Redman and Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones I can see some of that I can 
So Woody Allen as the torture, neurosis, and all the humor that can come from that. Uh, Conor McGregor because uh, the taste and capability for uber violence. Red Man because of his out of control living rent free in his head, and you know Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Like I think that's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. He based the relationship uh, between Venom and Eddie on Ren, of, Ren and Stimpy, of all things. Yeah, I saw that. I, I could see it that. Especially in the first one, um, he quote was quoted saying, I always saw Venom as a lounge litter, lizard and Eddie Brock as an everyday kind of guy who's inherited this massive ego beast. Yeah. Now, in the second film, Andy Serkis directed it, and he wanted uh, them to kind of have more of like a like an odd couple type of relationship. Okay. And it's hinted, nothing has been confirmed, but it's been hinted that it kind of borderlines like the romantic relation, like a romantic relationship. It's definitely intimate. Like, it's definitely an intimate relationship. Yes. I mean, they're bonded at, like, a molecular level. Right. So so there's, there's that. But, you know, there are rumors that it's supposed to kind of straddle that line between just, like, a, an, an, an intimate relationship and, like, an actual romantic relationship. And some of the arguments that they have, you know, kind of... Like an old married couple. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Kind of hints towards that. You know, when, when you've known someone and lived with someone for so long, mm-hmm. wouldn't know what that's about. Negative. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been um, it's been a long time coming that we get the these guys on screen. But what else you got? So. Tom Hardy describes Venom as a tragic clown. Qua- wow. Tragic, tragic clown. <laughs> a tragic clown. He was quoted saying, there's something funny about circumstances or the circumstances of having a tragic gift. It's a superpower you don't really want, but at the same time, you love it. It makes you feel special. He's both a reluctant hero and an anti-hero. Yeah. Um, well, that's what the whole uh, Lethal Protector storyline was. You know, Le- Venom was protecting this whole underground community. Um, basically, the way things were, like the, the earthquake of, I think it was like 1912, 1918. I f- I'm trying to remember, like the big, huge San Francisco earthquake. Basically, half the city sunk. And, you know, when they rebuilt, they just built over it. So there's, you know, all these houses and things, you know, all these buildings that people were living in and the Life Foundation was using them as uh, various, uh, for various experiments, much as we see Carlton Drake doing, uh, played by Riz Ahmed in um, the first Venom film. Right, and he becomes Riot in the first film. And Riot was in... Riot was one of the five symbiotes uh, that come out of uh, separation anxiety. So the Life Foundation learned that, uh, and that's part of, uh, I think that's what Lethal Protector led into, or it was either a result of, it was either before or after. 
um, obviously. Um, but the Life Foundation, Carlton Drake, learned how carnage became a thing. And so they were able to kidnap Eddie and Venom, separate them, and uh, they were able to leech five, like, five more offspring out of uh, out of Venom. And, like, they bonded them knowing that, you know, whoever the host was, um, it made the, you know, enhanced all their abilities. Uh, they were, like, special forces people, uh, you know, SWAT and Navy SEALs, shit like that. And they gave them uh, symbiotes. And Riot was one of those symbiotes. But unlike Carnage, like, they weren't nearly as strong and Spider-Man was able to take out like three of them by himself because it was essentially like fighting newborns because they hadn't been bonded mm. very long. And while the human specimens were, uh, you know, peak physical condition, they didn't know how to work with the symbiote. Like they didn't have that relationship yet. And like that was kind of their thing. He's like, I can take all of these guys out with no problem because they're not fully bonded and I'm not worried about them. And that's what they use in the the car let there be carnage. Kind of. It's so carnage was actually supposed to be the big bad in the first film, but they decided that they were hoping to make kind of like a a universe of this, make a franchise of it, so they decided mm. to save Carnage for the second, which is why you got the end credit scene at the end of the first one. Um, you know, introducing Cletus Cassidy, and ultimately you just kind of assume from there, oh hey, Carnage is coming. So Riot is the big bad in the first one, and he's not a spawn of Venom. It's just like a almost like brethren. It, like they're, it, they're, it's the same species. Like yeah, they're several taking of these. It, they're taking the the story of the Clintar that the fact that there's thousands and thousands of these, you know, all essentially in a hive mind, um, under the control of Null, the symbiote god, uh, who created a sword which was used by Gore the God Butcher against the Asgardians. And Gore the God Butcher is being played by Christian Bale in Thor Love and Thunder. So, just kind of throw that. Which, if we won't spoil it because it's only been out, but the end credit scene... Ooh. Yeah, the post credit scene Ooh. definitely uh, oh. check that out. Um, but but what yeah, what are you doing so in my room? We find out. Uh, so yeah, Riot isn't a spawn of Venom, but Carnage is, and we see in that second film how exactly Carnage comes to be, and. I don't know if we're really given a reason as to why Carnage is so... I think it's just like an, uh, uh, in a the genetic comic, evolutionary thing as to you know, why Carnage comics, is so much more powerful than Venom. Uh, in the comics, Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy are cellmates, and Venom comes to break uh, Eddie out, and a piece of him gets left behind, and that's like the spawn, and it bonds with Cassidy, so not totally different. And... It 
reveals itself as he's being led to be executed. And he kills everybody and escapes, just like so, in the movie. similar, yes. But the reasoning given as to why he's so much more powerful, like in the movie, Venom just goes, oh shit, he's a red one. Like apparently the red ones are more powerful than the black ones, whatever. But in the comics, the reason that they're given is his physiology is different because he was born on Earth under different circumstances. Okay, so it's almost like... Because he was born on Earth, the planet that they're having, that the planet that they have to attach themselves to a, an oxygen-breathing organism in order to survive, because he was born on the oxygenated planet, it's almost like he's given a step up. Like, he's, yeah. he's the next generation. He's like, far- he's... he's uh, like the 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 next evolution. He can't be killed. Like he's gone. Uh, he's undergone some. Like uh, as far as carnage goes, he's undergone some insane evolution. Like he's uh, exponentially stronger well, than I mean, Venom. You know, and I like the way that they can't sep- be affected by sound and and stuff anymore either. They separate the two character designs, so you can obviously tell that they're similar. That they're like the same species, cut from the same cloth, so to speak, but they're different. You know, Venom has slightly more rounded features, like softer features. Like, so he's still kind of menacing looking, but his features are definitely softer in comparison to Carnage, that has more like you know jagged lines and like that. The eyes look I crazier. I think it also and... it, it it also reflects. Uh, their hosts. Well, I was yeah, I was just going to say that too. I wonder if you know, Carnage is the way that he is because his first host, the first person that he's the only person that he's bonded with in the films. I don't know if Carnage bonds with anybody else in the comics. I, I he I think he does, but like Cassidy, because like Cassidy dies, but like. It gets really weird uh, after, like, you know, within the last five, ten years, it gets really weird with both of those characters. But, you know, because Cletus Cassidy was the first person that Carnage bonded with, you know, he probably takes on, you know, uh, takes a lot of attributes from Cletus. And the fact that Cletus is this cold-blooded serial killer, you know, definitely uh, creates a more powerful carnage because that that will that intent is there yeah like just the you can't you can't bargain or reason with him he's just he's complete sociopath like he he didn't have a relationship with shriek shriek actually tried hooking up with the six-legged razor webbing shooting uh doppelganger of spider-man that's hot it's weird (laughs) it's weird um but like if you get the chance maximum carnage is one of the coolest uh coolest comics because spider-man knew he needed to recruit venom but in order to do so venom thought he was dead so there had been uh and we kind of see this at the end of uh let there be carnage we see venom sitting on an island so there had been this uh this battle um between spider-man and, and venom 
and Venom believed that Spider-Man was dead. Spider-Man faked his own death uh, by putting his skele- his uh, suit on a skeleton, including his web shooters, um, and blowing it up with a grenade. So he Venom believed that he was dead. He was living peacefully on an island. Um, but when Spider-Man showed up with the Human Torch to be like, hey, we have to go fight the spawn of your suit. Uh, this was more Eric Larson drawing. No, Mark Bagley. And it was amazing art. Um, when he showed up, like, Venom went fucking nuts. He was so angry that, like, he used a part of his tendril. And this is one of the coolest things because we know that one of the only two things that can hurt him is Sonic... Uh, sonic uh, loud noises and fire. So one of the uh, a piece of the the symbiote grabbed Johnny Storm and dunked him underwater and just held him there so he couldn't be he couldn't fight him. So he's gonna drown Johnny Storm. Flame on! Oh. He actually what he did was he channeled the flame into the piece of the symbiote like a tendril that was holding him underwater and he just channeled the flame through that so he could escape which was pretty smart but like Spider-Man's like I I know I tricked you I know but like it was better for both of us and I would not be here except I need your help and then Spider-Man double crosses him at the end but you know it involves Morbius Captain America Shriek Demogoblin uh, which is kind of like Hobgoblin, but like way creepier. This guy Carrion, who like sucks your life force out. He sounds uh, fun. Cloak and dagger, like it's nuts. Like there's a a part at the beginning where they're tr- trying to track Carnage down, and they're just following his his trail of of, of Carnage, and you see like the <laughs> art. You just see like these two legs sticking out of a wall and one of them has like a high heel kind of dangling off of it. And these like shell shocked people that are just standing there. Spider was like, what happened? It's like, he just, he showed up out of nowhere and said, uh, I got to stay in practice. Then went eeny, meeny, miny, mo and shoved Lisa through the marble wall. Like he just grabbed this woman and just smacked like indiscriminately killing people. And he would kind of, so, Spider-Man has his uh, web shooters that he uses to shoot his web fluid and swing around the city. Venom could do the same thing, but um, he was using, like, parts of himself as webbing. So he could only use so much, like, and have to, like, kind of wait for it to regenerate. Carnage was kind of doing the same thing, where he would, like, stick his finger out and, like, you know, kind of like point at something and the the symbiote would stretch out and latch on and he would swing that way. But like, he wouldn't like leave the webbing behind. Um, so he didn't really have, he had like a little bit of the spider powers where he could like, you know, cling to walls and stuff. But he also was able to, um, like there's a, there's a part where, and this is obviously something that Venom can't do. Uh, he turns his hand into an axe and throws it at Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, oh, now I'll just use this against him. But, oh, no, you won't because it dissolves 
almost instantly after it uh it separates from the body and like he just regenerates really really quickly so <clears throat> that's kind of the difference between venom and carnage but carnage is also like physically way stronger despite the fact that eddie brock is physically much stronger than cletus cassidy who's depicted as this very skinny um thin gaunt uh character but because of the changes in the physiology the carnage suit just makes him so much more like on par with like the thing or colossus as far as physical strength goes uh which and they're you know in a class a little bit lower but comparable to like non-super ragey hulk but uh what else have you got for uh movie stuff so i just want to kind of comment on the way venom is depicted in the film how he looks kind of like that liquid latex mm. look to him the way that he's able to kind of when the suit takes over eddie brock like when eddie brock becomes venom like that opening scene where the drake's guys are trying to get it not the opening but like that opening of the second act scene yeah where it just kind of like pieces it almost like it comes out of nowhere it starts like making a fist and, and just like, like pieces together and then like the mouth almost closes. like engulfs oh you know just closes mm -hmm. over his head i thought that that was so well done it looked really and, cool like yeah it was really uh believable as far as you know something kind of almost like oozing out of his pores and taking mm -hmm. over you know and i like the fact that you know for the most part it's almost like his day suit versus nice night suit the day suit is obviously eddie brock you know being able to to fit in with normal society being human eddie brock mm -hmm. but you know at night when they become the lethal protector or you know well, much to eddie brock's chagrin yeah, but he did end up liking to be called that um, because they're very much like an anti-hero. So we've been going for about 45 minutes on this. Uh, we'll probably wrap it up in a couple of minutes, but I just want to point out, because of the popularity of the Marvel What If series that came out, I want to point out there is a What If story with Venom that I really liked. I learned about this with the Marvel Metal trading card series. Uh, which introduced several what-if stories, including uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, becoming a knight of King Arthur's round table. Um, but in one of the uh, what-if stories, the Venom symbiote bonded with Frank Castle, the Punisher. And instead of like having a symbiotic relationship, the Punisher kind of imposed his will on the symbiote and forced it to you know do his thing you know like so now that he's got superpowers he was able to uh to um be unstoppable in his war on crime um eddie's gotten rid of the suit a couple times um well, i mean he does that in the second film but i mean like in the in the comics like he literally at one point he uh sold it at an auction to a, a mafia guy who then gave it to his son and the son thought he was killing Spider-Man but it was just a guy dressed as Spider-Man 
And the Venom symbiote was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> like, he's just the fucking worst. Like, he's he's not worthy of me. So as they were web swinging through the city, the Venom symbiote was like, later, dude. And, like, unbonded from him while hundreds of feet in the air and just let him fall to his death. Bye. Uh, he's also bonded with uh, Flash Thompson as Agent Venom. Um Flash Thompson, much different from the character you see in Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, he was a, a, a military veteran who had lost his legs, but when he has the Venom suit, he has legs. Um, Mac Gargan, the Scorpion, has bonded with him. My favorite, though, was probably from the Old Man Logan story, where Logan is making his way across the country with uh, Blind Hawkeye, and they get chased by a venomized T-Rex. That is amazing. There's been venomized sharks. Like, venom can bond with, like you said, anything that breathes oxygen, pretty much. So, he's he's bonded with a lot. Well, he's also bonded with Anne. Yes, he's bonded with Anne on a couple of occasions. So, bonding with Anne in the film in order to go and save Eddie, you know, Anne... Eddie's former fiance, who's now engaged to Dr. Dan, who they have mi- mixed feelings about. It ends a lot better for for Anne in the movie than it does in the comic. Well, but she does become She-Venom in the comic. Yeah, and briefly. eventually kills herself. Oh, really? Because she ends up with, like, severe PTSD, and, like, she goes into a deep depression, and... She realizes that, you know, after multiple confrontations, uh, she realizes that she will never be free of the Venom symbiote and, like, the shit that she dealt with when she was bonded with him. So she just leaps out a window and kills herself. Oh, that's dark. Yeah. It's... it's... Oh, that's really dark. Yeah, they don't do that in the movie. No. No, no. it's actually kind of cute. And, you know, the Venom symbiote really likes Anne. Yes. I like her. <laughs> But yeah, let's uh, let's wrap that up now because uh, there's there's a lot more about Venom. Like Venom's one of those characters because he's been around close to forty years. There's forty years worth of comics, and there's like the he's ultimate... as old as you are. Well, he's not quite. He's a little younger than me. But like, there's you know the the Ultimate Universe, you know, with Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate Venom, and like if you've played the video game for PlayStation Two, you know that the, the tutorial level has you walking around as Venom, and one of the first things you have to do is kill a child. Uh, you in, you can envelop people and suck out their life force. Like, you envelop them and then spit them out dead, and one of the first things you have to do is kill a kid. And then it's like, oh, you can also use your tendrils to throw things. Throw this, uh, pick up this motorcycle and throw it through this window. And you pick up the motorcycle and throw it through the window, and then you find out that it was fucking Wolverine's motorcycle, and he's pissed. So the first thing you do as Venom is fight Wolverine. So that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different versions. So we will definitely revisit this character, especially uh, where we're going to see him again. Uh, And I think fairly soon. So we are excited. Yes. And we are going to be right back. 
At Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and More, our mission is to raise as much money and awareness for pediatric cancer research as possible through the giving away of authenticated, autographed sports memorabilia and more. All proceeds from our games will be donated to various pediatric cancer foundations, with the majority going to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the Jimmy Fund. Our mission to give back began when Craig and Kara's son William was diagnosed with a stage 4 Wilms tumor, and his courage to fight and overcome his cancer ultimately led to the start of the hashtag Strong-Willed Movement. For more information on how to donate and support this great cause, please visit the hashtag Strongwilled Sports Memorabilia and More Facebook group. I got a song filled with shit for the strong willed. When the world gives you a raw deal, set you off till you scream, piss off, screw you when it talks to you like you don't belong. It tells you you're in the wrong field when something's in your mitochondrial because it lasts on to you like knock, knock, let the devil in, benevolent as I've ever been. Head is spinning, this medicine screaming, dick, 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 medicine, it, dick, dick, like a salad bowl. Should have been dead a long time ago Liquid Tylenol, gelatin Sneak my skeletons melting Wicked, I get all high When I think I smell the scent of elephant Manure, hell, I'm in Kahlua Screw it to hell with it I went through hell with accelerants And blew up my, my, myself again Volkswagen, tailspin Bucket matches my pal skin Marwin went from Hellman's And being real thin for laughing Scribble Jam, Rebel Olympics 97, Freak Nick How can I be down mean? Bizarre in Florida Bruce room slept on the floor Adrenaline, minimum, minimum, not going, but I'm never gonna slow up, and I'm ready to snap anymore. 